Hail and well-met lovely people, it is I, your host, Sunny, aka Dynamic Symmetry, on Twitter and Tumblr and other places. And welcome to your post-mortem of Season 8, Episode 13. Fuck, right? Do not lead us astray. I think that was the title. I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. Um, it's This is kind of going to have to be a pretty short one. Uh, my husband's actually out at a job interview. Uh, fingers crossed that goes really well because uh, it would be good for us if it did. Uh, so yeah, I want to try and get this done before he gets back and we look at organizing the rest of our day. But yeah, last night, oh god, um, I have a lot of thoughts. A lot of them aren't very organized, so I'm actually not, probably not going to really talk about them too much, even though uh, organization for something like this isn't really my strong suit anyway, as you know if, if you've been listening to it, but I've got myself, I've got tea, I have some thoughts that I'm prepared to talk about, so uh, give me a minute to load up on tea and let's get into it. Oh, god, that's hot. So, yeah, um... Okay, something that I uh, I did not do an audio recap last week because I was at my parents and I didn't have access to my microphone, so I just did a traditional write-up. And one of the things that I stuck on to the very... Uh, it was in a different post, but, but one of the things that I, I yelled about because I thought it was cool and unexpected is that um, I, I, I will never forgive this show for actually making me think seriously about Negan as a character. I, I think I said last night. Because I am now. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the end of last week's episode and the beginning of this one is that, in fact, the person who was keeping the reins on everything and keeping Simon from going on this murder spree legitimately was Negan. Like, yeah, Negan Negan went out there to hurt and kill people, but, like, he, in a really perverse way, he was one of the people who was keeping... His, his aim was to keep people alive. And in the worst possible sense, this is not me speaking well of Negan, I'm just kind of evaluating his motives and his aims. In the worst possible sense, he was doing that. Uh, if, he, if he had gone out with the rest of the saviors, I mean, it's hard to say how things would have gone, gone off. I mean, Matt, you know, they were ready for an attack either way. Uh, so it actually might not have gone that differently in the end. But I mean, there, there wouldn't have been a full frontal savior assault for one thing and there there wouldn't there wouldn't have been an attempt to kill everybody the the casualties probably still have been really considerable because you still would have gotten you know people turning in the middle of the night and munching on people inside the house but which is super unsettling by the way another thing i said is that walkers don't really scare me on this show the show i don't this show isn't scary to me um i I don't i don't even know that i would consider it a horror technically that's just not how it's written that's not the genre it fits into uh, you know aside from the gore but uh last night was genuinely freaky i'm not sure exactly what made it freaky somebody said that it reminded them of the prison flu episode completely agree with that and that that episode freaked me out in in season four that episode freaked me out for the same reason um i think it's just you know, the, the fear inherent in being in an enclosed space and being at your most vulnerable, you know, being asleep, uh, and then suddenly you're dead. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's an effective way to play with horror. And it was just, it was nice to see the show doing that. But regardless, you know, that, that would have happened either way, even if Negan had been in charge. But, but there was, there was a, um, a full-on disorganization to uh, what happened that, 
and in a really serious attempted murderousness to what happened that Negan would have kept a handle on if he had been there. There are a number of ways in which Negan really is the guy who has been kind of keeping a degree of control in all of this. And he's lost it. Like, he he doesn't have it anymore. Um, it's not just that he's been taken prisoner, but even if he hadn't been taken prisoner, even if he hadn't been knocked out of the convoy by Rick and taken prisoner by Jadis, he clearly doesn't have control over his own people anymore. Um, and in fact, the, I think the show is calling it a question, how long has he... How long has he not had control over his people? The the control that he thinks he's had has been slipping for a while. And this was something I was yelling about a lot early in the season. The the um, myopia of uh, tyrants, the, the way that, that people who are very confident in their own power and control don't see resistance when it is right the fuck in front of them. Or if they see it, they, they don't evaluate its danger correctly. And Negan's been faced by resistance on all sides. And one thing that Simon does have correct is that he is not correctly evaluating uh, the degree to which he can't control it anymore. Really, the only reasonable thing to do with the hilltop is to make peace with them or to try to kill them all. Negan's whole you know, attempt to, well, we'll, we'll bring them back under control through intimidation. Simon's right. That's not going to work. So, so it's been interesting to kind of watch Negan's control swiddling away and finally slipping. And last night was a really kind of, it was, it was a great example of everything going completely off the rails, which is something this show does a lot and can be kind of repetitive. The whole things fall apart theme is kind of repetitive in the way that where we live will get burned down and blown up and overrun. But on the other hand, it's there for a reason. And I, I do, I do kind of like what they're doing with it. So, so yeah, there's the fact that pulling Negan out of the equation actually made everything more dangerous was an unexpected twist. And I like it. And I kind of resent the show for making me like it. So that's, that's just to start out. Hang on, Morty. Oh God, where to go next? Uh, okay. Uh, Christ. Let me, let me just, Let me just take a moment to kind of talk a little bit about Maggie, because, I mean, first of all, you know I love Maggie, and you know I love the idea of Maggie becoming a leader. And there's, you know, the the show has for a very long time been an exploration of Rick as a leader, and to what degree is Rick a good leader, and to what degree is he a bad leader, and does his leadership work to the benefit of his people, or is it ultimately detrimental? But what it's been doing recently is it's been exploring the potential and ability of other characters to lead. And, you know, it's been doing that some with Carol, which has been amazing, but it's been doing it particularly with Maggie. And I love that it's doing that. It's, it's, you know, something the show emphasized last night over and over again in a very explicit, unsubtle way is that, you know, Maggie, Maggie's a good leader. uh, And, and she's a good leader because she has this wonderful combination of, of ruthlessness and empathy. And she's she's ruthless toward the saviors and she just absolutely wants to slaughter Negan and she kind of wants to kill the rest of them, even though she's she is willing to work with the saviors who are willing to stay and, and help. I'm not sure what to make of that yet, by the way. But she also, you know, she really cares for her own people and, and in, in a lot of ways she's willing to put them first in a way that doesn't deny the humanity of other people. And I think that there's a distinction to be made between her and Rick in that respect. Because I think that Maggie is kind of the leader right now that Rick would like to be, but isn't. Because he just doesn't 
have the capacity to look outside of himself in that way. He's profoundly inward looking. He's very self-centered. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that even in a disparaging way. I'm just evaluating him. He's a very self-centered guy. He's very wrapped up in his own head. Uh, it's one of the weaknesses in him. And Maggie, I'm sure, is very much struggling with her own pain. Not I'm sure. Clearly, she's struggling with her own pain. But she's also able to take herself outside of that pain and operate outside of it or in spite of it in a way that I don't think Rick can do. And... That, that wonderful scene at the very end where she, you know, she's looking at all the graves and she says, you know, this is the cost. Rick can do that too and has done that, but this is kind of hard to explain. I, I feel like when he's done that before, what he's been primarily thinking about is the cost to himself. I mean, yes, he's lost people. He, you know, he's seen people killed and he's seen people he cared about. He's, he's cared about suffering and that's terrible. But he is primarily concerned with how that affects him. And, I mean, like, I, I don't think it's quite that simple. But when Maggie said that, I don't think she was thinking at all about herself. I mean, I think she was thinking about what she had lost. You know, she was thinking about the fact that she didn't have Glenn anymore. She was thinking about the fact that she didn't have Herschel and her sister anymore, I'm sure. But I, I, I just, I, I think that there's a self-centeredness to Rick that Maggie doesn't possess. And I'm really interested in seeing that kind of unfold. It's one of the reasons why I'm very frustrated by the idea of Lauren Cohen no longer being on the show as a regular, if she's on the show at all. Like, this is an arc that I really want to see continue. Uh, I, I love that the show is focusing on women as leaders and not just a, on Rick as a leader, which is, I mean, I love Rick. You know I love Rick. But that's kind of, after after a certain point, that becomes kind of a one-note thing. And... Yeah, there's just, there's, there's, there's so much going on with Maggie that I'm so into right now that I don't want to see stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm just, I'm trying not to think too much about that because there's really nothing I can do, but uh, it continues to be a source of frustration, and, and last night, kind of, as happy as I was about it, as happy as I was about what we were seeing with Maggie, it also kind of tossed some salt in that particular wound. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I want a quick word about Tobin. Um... Okay, well, first of all, uh, quick aside, Sadiq continues to be amazing and wonderful, and I love him to death, and if anything happens to him, I'll be so upset. Not least because, you know, God, Muslim representation on this show, please. Positive Muslim representation on this show, somebody who just doesn't doesn't get killed out of nowhere, that'd be great. But, but also, um, doctors. Doctors just... Why is this show killing doctors so much? Like, this is this is kind of a little bit of a team defiance, maybe Beth isn't dead moment, you know? This this is another thing that's up on my wall that's covered in pictures and yarn. The, you know, the fact, that, the fact that Edwards from Grady is still alive, and he's one of the very, as far as we know, and he's one of the very few doctors that hasn't been killed. And it isn't just doctors that are being killed right and left, or, you know, supposedly killed. I, I still, not sure about Carson, really not. But, um... Is anybody with any medical training is is in an inordinate amount of danger. Dis they're in a dis disproportionate amount of danger. Um, one of the things I said on Dumbler is like, you know, three things you don't want to be in the zombie apocalypse. You don't want to be a horse 
because horses don't have a good track record on this show. You don't want to be a good person with a capital G and a capital P because they don't tend to do well on this show. As much as I do think the show is arguing for their survival, it's a weird little tension. And you don't want to be a doctor or have any medical training, unless your last name is Edwards, in which case you're safe. It's, it's just... It's totally aside from, you know, well, maybe we'll go back to Grady and maybe Beth's not dead. It's just, it's almost funny at this point. It's, you know, it's like, oh, well, there goes another doctor. Oh, well, it's, yeah. Again, like, I'm not 100% sure what to make of it. If nothing else, I just kind of think it's funny, you know? But, yeah, so, so... There's that. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle medicine from here on out with Sadiq. Because, you know, clearly, pretty clearly Sadiq is going to have to take the lead from here. And I'm just, I'm so into Sadiq. He's so great. But yeah, uh, the, the whole scene where people are turning in the house. I mean, just to start with, Tobin. I'm so sad about Tobin. I'm glad that he and Carol got that final scene where they sort of exchanged... A lo- they got a little bit of closure for their relationship. You know, they were honest with each other about what that was and what that wasn't. And, and Tobin was sad, but he clearly kind of accepted, well, you know, I wasn't used, but what happened was not what I thought it was. And it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And, you know, Carol was really, she was she was so gentle and she was so heartbreakingly honest and, you know, saying, you know, that I, I thought that I could have this other life and you were part of that and I'm sorry it just turned out that wasn't something I could do and it was it was a really sweet moving little scene and it made me very sad regarding what happened after and I mean I wasn't 100% sure until he turned what was going to happen to him but yeah it's just sad um something that I I should not go into the carol with a y tag on tumblr but I did last night I don't even know why just morbid curiosity some people are being so ugly about Tobin like they're celebrating the fact that he's dead and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to kvetch too much about other parts of the fandom, but like, I, I really hate that because it's such a misreading of, it's so unfair to Carol as a character because it takes that really sweet little scene between her and Tobin where there's that really wonderful exchange of honesty and you see how much Carol has grown because she can look inside herself and she can express how she's really feeling without fear and without shame and come to an understanding with somebody who, yeah, she hurt. You know, she, I'm not saying she's a bad person for hurting him, but she hurt him and she understands that and she's apologizing and they're, they're, they're again, they're finding closure for what happened and what kind of broke up between them. And to, to look at a scene like that, that really is crucial to her character and is again, just sweet. Like Tobin's a good guy. Um, regardless of, of what, whether or not you ship Carol with anybody. He's a good guy. And it, it upsets me to see people, you know, being gross about that. It's, it's such, it's really unfair to Carol, among other things, because it just, it devalues everything about that scene to just, you know, kind of boil it down to, well, hooray, Tobin's dead. And also, wow, Daryl Vorsher was running fast to get to her, wasn't he? Yeah, that was... But I was sad about Tobin. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of, he's one of those characters you kind of think is probably not long for this world, but it sucked. It sucked how it happened. And the, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I think about the fact that that happened in the first place, that everybody getting sick and turning. It's every now and then this show throws in an element of chaos that I kind of understand what they're going for and I understand why it's there, but I'm also not 100% in agreement 
with it because among other things, it, it adds even more to everything that is going on. And there is already a tremendous amount going on. We really don't need any more going on. And it's, it's, I liked, I liked it because I thought it was effectively creepy, but I also think I felt a degree of exasperation over it. It's just like, these people cannot get a fucking break. And yeah, it's, it's, it's almost starting to feel a tiny bit ridiculous, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, my thoughts about last night are not terribly well organized. Um, I, I mean, I guess I would just say that my feelings about it are mixed. Um, I mean, they're not done dealing with it yet, so we'll see kind of what happens in more of the aftermath, but yeah, I'm, I've got some mixed feelings about that. Word about Tara. Um, I was, I was kind of stupid and I kind of forgot how Tara got injured. I forgot that it was Dwight who shot her. I sometimes have a really porous memory for, for details. And that's sometimes the kind of thing that I forget and people have to remind me of. And I, you know, I was, I was kind of feeling like, oh, well now she's, fuck, she's going to die. And great, they're going to kill another queer character. And awesome. And I'm not going to get any more scenes with her and Daryl like we finally got. And I'm so happy to have that conversation. More on that in a minute. But then somebody pointed out, like, Dwight shot her. And Dwight, in all likelihood, did not treat his arrows. So, and she wasn't sick. And everybody else at that point was. I think she's probably going to be okay. I mean, maybe not. But, yeah, I, I, it, it feels to me like I was wrong and she's actually going to be okay. And I'm really happy about that because, first of all, let's stop killing queer characters. Second of all, she's just great and I love her. And third of all, I love her relationship with Daryl. And I love that the, the tension that they've got kind of moving around over Dwight. And I want to see that tension brought to a close in a way that doesn't end up in somebody dying prematurely. So I'm, I'm relieved that it seems like maybe that's how this is shaking out. I, I, do, I do think that that's probably what's going on. And that, that, that makes me happy. Um, God, it was so heartbreaking though. You know, her just kind of going, okay, like, all right, that's, that's, this is what's going to happen. And just the, the acceptance in that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, and, and Daryl's face, God, that, that scene between her and Daryl, I've been wanting that conversation for a while. Um, I, I, and I wasn't sure they were going to have it because that's the kind of conversation that this show I think mostly for time reasons, does sometimes skip over. And I don't like that. And we we finally got, it was too short, but we finally got some articulation of that tension between them. And one of the things I really wanted to see was some explicit recognition on Tara's part that she actually has some stuff in common with Dwight. Uh, she has a lot in common with Dwight. And you know, regardless of, of whether or not that leads to her being forgiving of Dwight, and clearly it's kind of edging her a little bit in that direction, um, in addition to the fact that he convinced her that he really was on their side. Um, I wanted to see her, some evidence that she was wrestling with that. So that was awesome that we actually got that. And furthermore, we actually got, I mean, we, we Daryl hasn't mentioned his brother in seasons. And I, I, I loved that he got brought up last night because... Every now and then I really enjoy thinking back to how Daryl started in season one and how far he's come. And in some ways how he's kind of regressed a lot in the past couple of seasons since Beth's death and, and you know, and, and since meeting Dwight. And I'm, I'm kind of rewriting the show 
from the beginning with my fic, The Good Stars. So I'm kind of exploring that in a, in a cool way. And he, I loved the fact that we got proof that he's being self-reflexive to that point. Like he understands his, he is kind of, he is, he is occupying his own meta-narrative so to speak. He, under, he, he, can step up, he can step outside himself and see where he is in relation to all of the events that have transpired in his life since the world ended and where he is in relation to the saviors and where he might be, where he is in relation to team family and where else he might be. And he understands who he is and who he might be. And on the one hand, that's really sad because I think it's part of the whole self-loathing thing he's got going on. Like, I don't think he values himself at all in and of himself. I don't think he considers himself a good or a valuable person in, in any other respect besides what he can do. But on the other hand, you know, he's not wrong. If he'd stuck with Merle, he probably would have ended up, he would have ended up with someone like a group like the Claimers, or he would have ended up with a group like the Saviors. And, you know, that, that, that wonderful, the, the little Claimers subplot at the end of season four was so great because you, you kind of saw Daryl, out of habit more than anything, kind of slipping back into that group that he might have been part of before he met Team Family, and then realizing, no, this isn't my place. These are not the people I should be with. This isn't who I am anymore. And no matter how far he's fallen and how bad things are for him mentally right now, I, I, I think he still kind of understands that his the saviors are not his place. His place is still with people that he would consider good, I guess, although maybe not in the sense of good people, the way Beth believed in them. So it, yeah, it was a great, it was a great little character moment. It was exactly the kind of character moment that I've said before, that we don't really get enough in general, but we don't in get enough in particular with Daryl, you know, and, and yeah, I'm biased. He's my fave. We don't get it enough with anybody, but it's, it, Daryl is not getting particular short shrift, I think, in most respects. In some respects, I, I kind of think, yeah. But in other respects, no. But I was so happy that we got that much. And and I want to see so much more with him and Tara. And I mean, something something else that I want to mention. Hang on, Marty. Something else that I want to mention, and I've mentioned it before, and I mentioned it on, on Tumblr last night. Like, Daryl is the character, out of all of the characters on the show, who you would most expect to be homophobic as fuck. And he is the least. I mean, none of them really are. Most of them just don't seem to give a shit. But it's, it's I think, especially poignant in Daryl, not only because he doesn't seem to care about queer relationships as, as being unusual or being unacceptable, but he seems to gravitate toward them. Like, these are the people he seems to connect with on a really deep level, more than other people. And I think that, you know, that some of that has to do with him just feeling like an outsider and recognizing other people who are outsiders, not because they're bad people, but because they're regarded as strange or, or unusual or just, just, you know, different. And he feels that very keenly. And I think he has all his life. He's never really felt like he fit anywhere, except briefly, you know, with team family. I don't think he really feels like that anymore. But, you know, he's, he's the one who connects to Aaron. And I'm so sad we've lost that connection. But, you know, then he connects to Denise. And then he connects to Tara because of Denise. And I I don't... I, th I think that, that Jesus is kind of a little bit of a crack ship. Like, I don't think we really have any canon evidence for it to speak of. They've spent no time on screen together this season. Next to no time on screen together. Um, we've seen no evidence that they're really forming any kind of a, a deeper connection 
I think, in, in any way. Not to say they couldn't. But I, I could see him connecting to Jesus if they had time and they weren't fighting a war. You know? And so, so I just, I love that. I love that, that Daryl bucks expectations on every level. He's, you know, he's he's kind of a sex symbol on the show, but he's completely asexual. He he should be this, you know, he should be this, you know, kind of a he should he should be this guy who's not terribly introspective or intelligent, and he's profoundly smart and he's thinking all the time, even though he doesn't have seem to have much formal education. And you'd think that he would be a homophobe, and he just you know, queer people are kind of his people. If he if he is asexual, then arguably that's kind of a queer identity, so that makes sense. You know, and I do canon him as some flavor of asexual. And it's, it's it, the fact that he doesn't just recognize that queer relationships are, are good and valid, but he recognizes that they're complicated. And he recognizes that they can, they have the same pain and the same difficulty and the same, you know, bad sides that, that straight relationships do. And, you know, that's recognizing the depth and the complexity of queer relationships is, is another really important thing that, you know, that is part of fighting homophobia. And... He does that, and I just, I love, I love that he does that. Yeah. A uh, quick word about Henry. God, Henry, his name is Henry, right? Whatever, the kid. I, I saw somebody on Twitter uh, the other day say something about, like, the sole purpose of kids in a post-apocalyptic narrative is to make stupid decisions and get other people in trouble. And, oh, God, I mean, you saw it coming. You knew it was going to happen. And it happened, and I, it, I I know that it was supposed to add to the sense of dread and chaos, and I guess it did, but mostly I was just exasperated. Like, you dumbass kid, of course this is going to go sideways. How did you, How would you expect it to go any other way? And, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know that it actually added to that, to, to the, you know, sideways way in which things were going. I think that in some ways maybe it actually helped because it clearly divided the saviors between the people who were willing to help or ostensibly it clearly divided the saviors between people who were willing to help and people who just ran away. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think time will tell just what the consequences of that were and regardless of whether or not they're positive or negative on balance, it was a stupid fucking thing to do. Carol knew it was going to happen, and it's just, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not. I mean, don't, don't. I, I recall that the, the, the one pretty guy whose name I also cannot remember that that he was arguably, you know, just kind of biding his time and waiting for his moment and appearing to be, appearing to be trying to make positive overtures to Maggie genuinely, but it wasn't actually genuine. I think it's not clear whether or not he still feels that way. It It's not clear whether or not he actually is genuine in, in, in trying to help Maggie out because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what his angle is in staying. I mean, I, I guess that he could still be, he could still be a mole. He could still be a wolf. He could still bring things down from the inside or he could try to at the right moment, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't really know what to make of that. And I have a bad feeling about it. I hope that things end up okay there. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure. It was an interesting development. Um, the, all of the developments last night, last night pretty much I was excited about. And I really want to see where they go. But a lot of them I was also uncomfortable about. Sometimes I think I was supposed to feel that way. 
Uh, sometimes I'm not so sure. Yeah. All right. T. Morgan. Uh, quick thing about Morgan. I'm. Morgan is still so great. And one of the reasons why he's so great is that he continues. This is something else I was I was kind of yelling about. He continues to be this mystical figure, even though he's a mystical figure now in a very different way. You know, you can you can look at him as being crazy, and you know I, th I think that that that's a that's a, a an arguably legitimate approach to take. But I you know I, I kind of talked a, a couple episodes ago about the idea that that we're now in a place in this show where magic is coming back into the world where straight realism doesn't really apply so much anymore where where signs and wonders are kind of a thing where the rules have really broken down on a really fundamental level so i think it also i think it makes sense and is compelling to look at morgan and really view these as real visions you know th these whether these are coming from somewhere outside of himself or coming from somewhere inside himself you know this is not just this is not just irrational insanity these are these are visions that have deep meaning and significance and are, they do pretend the future or they do tell him something fundamental about the present and what's going on. Things that not only does he not want to see, but that other people might not see. These are, these are deep, vaguely supernatural insights. And I, I like that the show is continuing to do that. I hope, again, I have kind of a bad feeling about what might happen to Morgan Clearly, he's going to continue on the walk on Fear the Walking Dead. I don't watch that show, so I don't really know how he would fit into that narrative. But yeah, I, I'm concerned about Morgan. But I, I love that they still do that. I, I think I don't, I don't want him to slip into kind of magical Negro territory. It would be easy, I think, to fall into that. I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think that it could happen. But I, I still like what they're doing with him. And I still really love the relationship between him and Carol. And I hope that we do see more of that before the end of the season. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of what I have to say about last night is just kind of more of the same from last couple episodes because it was all the stuff that worked was a direct continuation of those things. But it was, yeah, it was, it's, it's cool and interesting. And I, I like how it works. One more thing I one more thing I want to say, and this is another quick team defines corner, um, slash, you know, Beth maybe Beth isn't dead corner. Just funerals. God, every time this show does anything with funerals, it hits me all over again how important funerals are on this show and how weird it is when we don't see someone get one. And that's not to say that we haven't seen characters not get a funeral or a funeral equivalent if there's no a memorial service of some kind if there's no body to bury. But this, this show views funerals and memorials as so significant in terms of what makes us human when we perform them for people and what makes, how we recognize the humanity in others when we make sure that they're allowed to have a funeral. So, you know, there, there was that moment where Maggie's like, you know, you, you can go out and bury your dead. And I mean, that's, in terms of, in practical terms, that's not a smart decision. Like, that's that's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. And you're running a risk letting these guys out. But it's important. It's presented as an important thing to do. And, you know, what's-his-face pretty guy says, you know, it, I, I appreciate that you see them as people. And the fact that the show took time to do that 
and really to emphasize it, that funerals and, and then showing graves over and over and over as a mark of, as Maggie says, the cost. And, um, you know, her saying, like, I want, I wanted Glenn's grave to be the last thing that Negan saw. And, yeah, it's, God, funerals are just so important. And it's so weird that we never saw one for Beth when we could have. You know, we, they could have shown that in the weird little flashes at the beginning of, of what happened and what's going on. They could have shown it. And instead, we got a fake-out funeral. We got something we thought was Beth, and it ended up being Tyrese. And you could argue that they were just doing that to make Tyrese's death more of a surprise, but I don't think it was really a surprise to most people. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know for a fact that he was leaving the show, because I tend to ignore spoilers and stuff, but, like, it didn't surprise me. It didn't really shock me that he died. And it was just, it was so weird. It was so weird and unusual. It drives me crazy. As I, I love how important funerals are. It's a theme that I really enjoy and I think is cool. And it's also something that just, it, it eats away at me regarding what happened with Beth. It's so fucking weird. Oh, one more thing about Maggie. Um, you know, uh, some of you might know I, I wrote uh, this fic, Your Place in the Family of Things, that is like set a year after the war and... Uh, Daryl and Maggie end up kind of getting together and not in a you are the one for me way but kind of in a you know we both have this shared experience of pain and we can both be there for each other in the way that other people can't so you know let's let's we, we have something in each other so let's let's take that thing and let's try and move forward with it and build some kind of a life even if it's a life that's based on the fact that we've lost these people that we love and we'll never get them back it's one of my favorite things I've ever written I, I love that fic and Maggie in that fic is very dark, and one of the things that I imply is that she actually killed Negan with his own bat. And I, I love what she, how, how, how she was talking about Negan last night, because it made me feel like, like, I don't know if she would have killed Negan with Lucille, but I could see that happening. And I, did, I just, I don't know, I kind of, it kind of made me happy, like, I, 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 obviously I got some stuff wrong in that fic, because I was extrapolating forward, and I knew I was going to get some stuff incorrect, but also I just, I love that I kind of seem to have nailed that, not necessarily nailed that detail, but I've, I got it kind of right, arguably. Yeah, it was just, it was just cool. All right, my, my husband's going to be home soon, so I'm going to stop yammering. And uh, next week looks great. I mean, I'm excited for the whole rest of the season. I think that a whole bunch of great stuff's been spun out, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. Um, endings are tough. Uh, the war, you know, is probably going to end at the end of the season and and it's really easy to not stick the landing with endings and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some stuff here that doesn't satisfy me entirely but yeah I I think this has been a really strong season and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes all right a uh, quick plug for the Patreon before I go. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, if you want to help me keep making it, if you enjoy the other stuff I make, if you want to help me keep making it, go to patreon.com slash dynamic symmetry. Uh, check out the rewards I've got. Maybe toss me a couple bucks a month if you feel like doing that. Uh, I haven't done a... I have, I, I've said that I was going to start doing audio rants. I haven't done one for this month, but I am think... I, I, I went to the March for Our Lives, and I have some things I want to say about that. So I think I might actually do a... a mini audio episode kind of relaying some of those thoughts especially somebody who has studied social movements uh, there's just a lot of stuff about this i think is super cool so yeah um maybe look for that in the next few days and try and do it yeah just uh you know 
if you if you want to help support me monetarily and make it easier for me to do some of this stuff, that's a way in which you can do that. Or you can also buy me a coffee. It's linked on my Twitter. Uh, it's also linked on my Tumblr. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this was fun, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye.